You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. Hi, thanks for downloading MyMac podcast number 236. I'm Tim Robertson. This week, David Cohen and Guy Searle and I talk about iPods, older ones. What do you do with them? We also talk about second monitors on your Mac and the rumors about the Mac tablet. You know, that's been going around forever and ever and ever. So we're going to talk about it a little bit. Hope you enjoy the show, and thanks for downloading. And this is the 236th episode of the My Mac Podcast Weekly Show. I'm joined by David Cohen and Guy Searle. Hello, guys. Hey. Hello. So uh, we've got a, a pretty cool show coming up. We're going to be talking about what to do with older iPods, uh, second monitors on a Mac, uh, why you want that, why you might not want that. And we're going to talk about some rumors, the tablet Mac. But uh, let's do a little house cleaning first. Uh, we got some email, and uh, one in particular that I thought was very interesting, and it's basically how to clean your iPod, how to keep it clean. And it was from Michael Breed, long-time listener to the show. And I think you've got that email there, don't you, David? Yeah, I, I do. And um, this, this, was, this was really interesting. Basically, Michael was saying that, um, you know, one of the things he found with his iPhone is that um, it really picks up the fingerprints and smudges really easily. And... Uh, um, so, you what know, was he, that sound? He, I have to know. Was that you there, Guy? What? I didn't hear anything. Okay. It was coming from your end, but okay. <laughs> we can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I think I've, got, I've got my audio here muted. Otherwise, I, you know, you get the slight delay, and you're like, eh, 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 eh. so I, I, I can't hear anything outside of these headphones. Okay. Sound like music. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was bizarre. That anyway. Was. Yeah, Michael was saying that, that he finds his iPhone really picks up the fingerprints and smudges, and what he's found uh, a, a very useful product to kind of um, resi- make the iPhone resist those fingerprints a little bit is to use um, a Dunlop's Formula Number no. 65 guitar polish and cleaner. He says it puts like a waxy finish on the um, on the iPod, makes it feel very silky smooth, and consequently, you know, it doesn't it doesn't pick up fingerprints as soon as you touch it um you really have to sort of uh, use it for a bit before it starts to show any marks and it also makes the uh, any marks on the screen much much easier to wipe off than than the untreated screen so i, I suppose it's a little bit like the the rain x treatment you put on the on the car windscreen where the water just flows off because it makes the glass really really smooth you wonder why so, they don't put that stuff on uh, cars all the time or just don't you think they could have made a better windscreen by now a windshield yeah, or, or just just make just just make windshields out of Rain-X. There you go. This is like yeah. a clear <laughs> Rain-X. Yeah. 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 Don't so, even bother uh, putting windshield wipers on after No, that. you wouldn't have to. It just, you know, goes right Balls off. Balls right off. Yeah. That's Second right. force yeah. field. So that that's a handy tip. I, I mean, obviously, uh, your mileage may vary with these things, and, and when we've, I've not tried this myself, so we can't formally endorse it as a as a good thing to do. No, but use I, it I might, at your own risk. It's only yeah. five bucks, you know. Exactly. Um, we, we, he's, you can get it from any music store, he says, that sells electric guitars. Um, and um, he sent us a link to it on the Amazon store. So we'll stick that in the show notes. So I'm going to give this a try. I've got a screen protector on my iPhone, so there's no real risk to me. If it, if it kind of messes it up, I can just take the protector off and put a new one on. So I'm definitely going to give this a go and, uh, and see how it works. I think I am too. Um, one concern I would have is does it leave anything on my fingers as I'm using it? If it's 
you know, gives me that waxy feeling on my thumb or my finger, I won't use it. But uh, I don't think Michael would suggest using it if it did that. So I'm going to give yeah. it a try, Unless too. Unless this is like some kind of elaborate April, late April Fool's Day joke. <laughs> it could be. So yeah. let's get into our first topic, uh, what to do with older iPods. And we'll start with you, Guy. What okay. do you do with an older iPod? For instance, I have uh, not a few generations of iPods here. I have yeah. the very first Firewire 400 iPod, which is uh, 5 gigs. I've got a fourth generation. Uh, I think that's a 40 gig. Which, yeah, that was. It, I think that was the first photo, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, no, this was the one before the photo. The fourth gen? Yeah, I think. Let me... No, no, I think the fourth gen, the the big thing for the fourth gen was uh, photo. This is a fourth... The fifth gen was video. Okay, so then this is probably a third gen then. It's a 40 gig iPod. Uh, It doesn't have the click... Well, wait a minute. Yeah, it does have the click wheel. It clicks. Uh, So this must be the first generation that came with a dot connector, which is the third generation. Okay. So yeah. I've got one of these, and it's in my hand right now. Unfortunately, it doesn't work anymore. The hard drive completely died in it, and I could get a new hard drive for it. But quite honestly, why, bo- why yeah, bother? Why bother? Yeah. I, can, I can get you know for a hundred and what, hundred fifty bucks, I can get a Nano, which has what are, what sizes well, the, are the Nanos now? They're uh, uh, eight, the, eight, sixteen. eight and sixteen mm. gig. Yeah, you can pick up you can pick up an eight gig for uh, under a hundred bucks refurb. Yeah, it might be worth just going that route. But, of course, I don't need it because I also have a fifth-generation iPod, and I also have an iPhone. So I've got two older iPods sitting here. Let's assume that the 40-gig iPod still works, even though it doesn't. Um, what do you do with these things, Guy? Uh, well, in in my mind, and, and I think you probably have a few more than this, the, the two things that it would be good for at this point would be to repurpose, to give to somebody who doesn't already have an iPod or doesn't have one that's as nice as the one you want to give them and just repurpose it as a music player for somebody else. Uh, the other thing that you can do with it is set it up to be an external hard drive. Of course, 40 gig hard drive isn't, you know, it's not much, but then again, well, it, it, could, be, it could be used for something. Sure. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, the Firewire ones, people were, were loading up like, um, effectively a recovery OS 10 partition on those and using those as, a, as an emergency boot volume. I, I did that with mine, my first generation. I used yeah. to try to hack that thing to death, and I'm surprised this stupid thing still works, but it, it actually works <laughs> great, and the battery life on that first, gener- first generation iPod for me is like two and a half, three hours. I mean, that's, that's I think that's bad. pretty. No, I think that's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. For, especially for a device that's what eight years old now. Well, yeah, about eight years old. Yeah, yeah. Now the thing, the thing for me is that if you have an old hard drive iPod and you do want to give it away to somebody, um, to to me, there's two options. You can either give it to um, somebody who who might not. Uh, might be quite hard on their equipment. You won't want to give them a brand new iPod in case they break it. So, you know, if you have any kids in the family who who, who would like an iPod, then you can give them an old one. And, and, you know, if it gets broken or it gets lost, well, it's not such a big deal as if it's, if it's a brand new one. Right. I think the other thing as well with a hard drive iPod is if you know somebody who has an iPhone or a Nano or a Touch or something like that um, that's a Flash-based player, they might appreciate having a hard drive player as well because obviously the hard drives, even the old hard drive ones, unless you go right back to the first or second gen, those will have a bigger drive than you can get on any of the Flash iPods. And so 
you know, they can they can have a backup iPod that might have their entire music collection on, or, or at least a, a much bigger portion of it than they might be able to get on their Nano or their iPod Touch. Um, and, uh, you know, I, some people would appreciate that. If you're on a long trip, the fact is you could have your music on, on a different device than your, uh, than your iPod Touch or your Nano, and then um, have more space on the Nano for video or something like that. Interesting. I, you know, the, my thing is I, I don't do anything with my older equipment as far as iPods go. They just sit on a shelf, really. They collect dust, and I dust them off, and they collect more dust. Um, I, I kind of would like to do something with them, but I think they're probably too small to make, like, a macquarium out of them. <laughs> Maybe for yeah. a beta fish. Just put one small little beta fish in there. and. Oh, what do they call those, those, those little fish that they used to advertise on the back of comic books? Oh, yeah, those were uh, oh, sea, sea monkeys. Yeah. Sea monkeys, sea yeah. Monkeys. Yeah, have, a, which, have a sea monkey aquarium. It, that's just brine shrimp, is all that yeah, really is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I, I, I had some sea monkeys, and you know what? I was amazed that they didn't build the little castle that I saw in the comic book. Yeah, oh, I, I saw an episode oh, of uh, uh, South Park where something like that happened. It was hilarious. <laughs> so I don't know. It, I really don't understand why people assume that because it's old, it's no good anymore. I think that's. I think we also all have the. We want the shiny new. There's a brand new iPod. I want the new iPod. Um, and that's probably why Apple has sold so many of them over the years. Sure. I have to assume anybody listening to this podcast, most of the people out there, have at least one older iPod that's just sitting there. Um, maybe it's time to give it to someone who who doesn't have an iPod already, if you could find anybody. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of what I do. I mean, I gave, I gave my son Guy my original... Um, I think it was a first gen nano when I got my my what was it the 80 gig iPod classic and he loved that thing until I gave both him and Peter uh, one of the new 4G nanos uh, earlier I guess when it first came out last year but there's no re- I mean just because they don't do video or just because you know they they're not the new and shiny doesn't mean that they're still not perfectly capable of, of being a really, really good audio iPod. Well, my fifth generation 60 gig hard drive iPod, it's the black one, uh, you know, I, I still charge it up probably once a month, even though I haven't used it hardly ever because my iPhone's always with me. And for the short car trips that I usually take, if I'm by myself, I'm usually listening to podcasts. And if the family's in the car, then we're just rotating through songs and it's just the highest ranking stuff anyways on my iPhone, uh, five stars music sometimes some four star but mostly five star stuff but it's maxed out if i'm going to go on a long car drive especially with the kids uh, yeah especially with the kids or if i'm going to go on a business trip where i'm going to be gone and i have to fly or something i always take the fifth generation ipod with me because it has all my music uh, including like all my stand-up comedy stuff that i have and i want to be able to listen to that and it's also nice to listen to that and save the battery of the iPhone because I need that for duh, calling people. Right. So yeah. it's nice in those situations. But other than that, I, just, I really don't use the fifth generation iPod that much. I know a lot of people, and I've got people who have emailed me in the past and we've talked about similar subjects, saying basically they just leave the older iPod in the car. And it's just the car iPod. Um, yeah. I'd be paranoid about that myself, but a lot of people do that too. Mm. I think as well the the thing to remember is, you know, because 
just because I uh, Apple has sold so many, you know, multi millions of iPods, it doesn't mean there aren't people out there who who do want one, who don't want to buy one new. Uh, these things do have an intrinsic value uh, on places like eBay or Craigslist, and you know, if you have one knocking around and you just just want to get rid of it, then then by all means sell it. And I've I've sold quite a few and uh you know gotten good money for them i even i even sold a, a broken first generation nano that um it was in a speaker set the speaker set fell off the uh the edge of the shelf it was on landed on the floor on top of the nano Ouch. so the nano Ooh. had a, a cracked screen and was actually physically bent uh, oh. by about 10 12 degrees i mean it was this the first gen you remember had the um metal casing on the back and then sure. the uh, yeah. perspex sure. front so you know the casing had actually bent when where, where they, effectively the speakers had landed on top of it. And I sold that sucker for, well, about £60, so nearly $100 at the time. <laughs> Presumably to somebody who wanted the battery or some of the parts from the inside. So um, even if you have a, uh, an iPod that's a bit beat up, maybe isn't in perfect condition, um, you know, and you don't want to give it to somebody else, have a think about, you know, putting it up on eBay or something like that and passing it on to somebody else because I'm sure you'll be able to sell it. Oh, yeah, did I don't you, think selling one is a problem. Used? Yeah, slightly used. Uh, well, I, mean, I was—I literally was amazed because I thought, well, I'm either going to throw this out or uh, I'll, you know, maybe get a few pounds for it and put it up on eBay. I was amazed how how interested people were in it and uh, and how much it eventually sold for. And it, you know, pretty much funded the replacement. So I was quite happy. Well, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about adding a second monitor to your Mac and uh, why you might or might not want to do that. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. So we're talking about adding a second monitor to your Mac. Uh, I know for a fact, Guy, because you've mentioned this recently on the podcast, you have a side cart monitor, and that's what I call them because that's what they've been called in uh, graphic houses forever. Um, right. So what do you use your second monitor for? Uh, I use my second monitor sometimes uh, if I'm doing a lot of different things. I'll have iTunes over on the second monitor, just kind of out of the way, but still close enough to to, to do pretty much whatever it is that I want to do with it. You know, running some background processes. Uh, if I'm if if I have a lot of Safari windows open, I'll split them up between the two monitors. And you know, yeah, I know I could have tabs and and do the tab thing, but sometimes it's nice just to be able to go. And look at two completely separate browser windows. Um, I use uh, I, I use it when I do what, what, mostly when I'm practicing. I should say uh, Final Cut Express. I'll, I'll put some some optional stuff over on the other side and, and split stuff up so I can see where everything is. You know, things along those lines. What about you, David? Yeah, similar sort of thing, really. I have. Um I'll, I will tend to put, you know, more static stuff like my Twitter application and um, my mail client and my iTunes on, on one monitor, and then I use the other one as a kind of as a workspace. So that's where my, if I'm browsing the web, that's where my browser will be, and um, uh, you know, any any document editing or anything I'm doing, kind of the you know the active program will be on the other monitor and then the, the static stuff, the stuff that I'm just looking at occasionally in the background will, will sit sit to the side on, on the other screen. I think every single Mac that ships now will support dual monitors, correct? 
Including yeah. the, uh, including the, the Mini. Yeah. Well, the Mini actually has two uh what is it, plugs. mini DVI yeah, port? Mini or is it DVI. one mini, mini DVI and one um, display port? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it literally has two places to plug in. Uh, all the iMacs do. In fact, right. that's what I'm using to record this podcast. So in front of me, I have the 24-inch iMac, and immediately to the right of it, I have my 23-inch cinema display. And it runs both of those just beautifully. Sure. Uh, so during the podcast, I'll actually have GarageBand open on the iMacs monitor. And on the secondary monitor, I'll have like Audio Hijack Pro, uh, Skype, Show Notes, that sort of thing. But usually, if I'm not doing the podcast, which is what 95% of my time on the computer, uh, you know, I'll have like iTunes over there, or if I'm converting video, that window will be over there. And like you guys, my, my workspace is the main monitor. That's where I'll keep my web browser and that sort of thing, like, like you were saying, David. Yeah. Um, is it worth it if you have a 24 inch iMac or even a 20 inch iMac or you have a large monitor like, you know, a 20 inch Dell or something on your Mac? Is it worth going out and buying a expensive monitor or just a cheap one for a secondary monitor? Start with you, Guy. Uh, I would say a lot of it depends on what you want that second monitor for. But for most people, you know, you can get. Like what I'm using right now is an Acer. I don't remember the model number, but it's 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 the cheap Acer 22 inch. It cost me about 170 bucks, and I'm seeing them advertised now for like 140, 150. Yeah, you can get and, them cheap. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, sure, it's it's not the greatest monitor in the world, but for what I use it for, it's it's fantastic. And you know, I wouldn't go out and buy like you know, Apple has the uh, the DisplayPort 24 inch monitor, which I'm sure is the, the slickest thing since sliced bread, but it's overkill for what I need a second monitor for. What do you think, David? Yeah. Uh, I think if you are fortunate enough to be able to afford an Apple monitor, you'll uh, very much enjoy having one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had I had a Dell 20-inch uh, monitor, and, you know, I was able to pick up a 20-inch cinema display for not very much money um, at a closeout sale, uh, and I've been very, very happy with it. And, it, you know, it is... The, the Apple monitors, they're expensive, but you definitely do get what you pay for. And I know that, that the new 24-inch um, DisplayPort mach- uh, monitors they do, people have been really raving about how good they are. I hear they're but real I think- bright and clear. Exactly. Um, you know, the, the advantage of the Apple monitors is they tend to be color balanced as well, so you'll get a more natural picture on those than, than you'll get with a cheap monitor. Um, but having said that, it's a lot of money, and there's certainly no, you know, there's no shame in, in just dropping $120, $130 on a, on a cheap 20 or 22-inch display. If you just want to have, if you, you know, if, if you are just going to put your mail client or Twitter or something like that over to the side, um, you know, as a bit of extra workspace, then, there's, there's, you know, why, why, why should you, um, you know, spend any more? And, and I think something else as well that, that, that's worth bearing in mind is that, you know, if you have that monitor you can connect if it has more than one port on it you can connect other things to it at the same time so you can put a games console on there or um perhaps if you have a laptop you could have that uh, connected via a switcher or something so you can actually you know make use of it in more than one setting than just having it on the side holding your mail client so no. go ahead 
Well, I was going to say, so, you know, it, 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 it can be worth uh, you sort of maximizing the investment by doing something like that, you know. One of the things that I was doing for a while when I, was, had, when I had an actual need for Windows and I was running it under VMware was I would actually put the PC on one monitor, the desktop, Windows yeah. uh, Vista, and the Mac on the other. And it literally looked like I had two computers sitting in front of me. Yeah. Uh, if you came up from behind, you would have no clue that it's actually one machine because you're seeing the Windows desktop on one side and the Mac desktop on the other, and that was kind of handy. So if you're in a yeah. you, if you're in an environment where you need to use the PC software occasionally, and you don't want to have to you know bring that to the front and that changes your monitor resolution and all that, you can just put it on another monitor. Now, every Apple machine out there supports. Not just dual monitors, but dual resolution. So you can have completely a different resolution on the secondary side cart monitor than on the front one. So you don't have to get a monitor that's roughly the same size or even the same specs as your main monitor. No. Uh, back in the day, people would have these huge 500-pound, 21-inch monitors as right. their main machine. But their side cart monitor was a little cheap 15-inch. And it was the cheapest, the better, because I, I saw somewhere the color didn't even work anymore. But the only thing that they did that with, uh, the only the reason they used it was for, like, uh, toolbars in Photoshop or Illustrator. Yeah. They would just put the toolbars over there. Hey, Tim, let me ask you something before we get too, too much farther off topic. Uh, have you tried using dual, dual monitors using Boot Camp with Windows? Uh, sure. And does it work? Yes. Okay, Windows, I haven't Windows, tried that. Yes, yeah. Windows one, one uses one, uh, spanning as well. Yeah, one, but what is well, I didn't know if it was going to work via boot camp. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You're still it's using worth, Apple's it, drivers. That, that's right. It's worth pointing out that Windows does not do dual monitors anywhere near as slickly as Apple does. No. And, and, ha- and, and never has. And it's, you know, the latest version of Windows are better than they used to be because, you know, they, uh, Microsoft recognizes more people are doing this nowadays. But um, it's it's really it's really I mean with it with a with a Mac you literally just plug it in and it sorts it out and it works. Uh, whereas with Windows you normally have to do some configuration uh, and kind of messing around to get it get it to work properly. And um, you know yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a bit more heavy lifting involved in actually getting it work properly on a Windows machine. I, you know I have to say that like you said they, the the Mac OS does it much more elegantly and it's been doing it much more elegantly for years. Uh, yeah. I was doing this on Mac OS nine for a long time. Yeah, and and even if you if you have an older Mac um, that doesn't necessarily support um, dual monitors out the box, like the uh, the Dead Guy G five that I have, uh, iMac G five. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still still have still have that. I'm going to have to get rid the of it soon. Dead Guy G five. I'm going to have to get rid of it soon because we're moving offices, and I think it's going to have to go, unfortunately. But the thing is, that is a that the iMac G5 did not support dual monitors out of the box, but in fact, it was fairly easy to go into open firmware and change a setting and actually enable that. Actually, so have, there's some uh, third-party solutions now that you can actually plug a monitor in via USB. They make those right. for the Mac yeah. now. The and display link stuff. Yeah, and that, I that haven't works. tried one myself, but I, yeah, I, I have the adapter. I, I I spoke to Display Link at the MacWorld I came to a couple of years ago, and I have the adapter for that, and it works really, really well. So uh, that's that's another good option as well. If you don't want to be, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, the, one of the one of the things I don't like about the the current iMacs is they don't have a standard DVI connector on. They have uh, the mini one, and you need the the little dongle yeah, adapter. Yeah, dongle, so, right. And it, and you know, to me, it's it's not great. Um, there you know, are some I, I, drawbacks, though. 
Yeah. One of the drawbacks are, for instance, uh, I like to do the visualizer in iTunes. It will only do it in one monitor. And that kind of blows. You're like, ugh, why, why can't it do a visualizer in the other monitor as well? Even yeah. if it just, you can do it if you mirror the monitors, obviously. But I, I would like a different visualizer on the other monitor. It doesn't work. If you're watching a video, um, you know what? I'm going to make sure that... I believe that the other video won't dim or anything. It will just stay what you're seeing. Am I correct? Or Depend, Depends what application you're in. Uh, for instance, QuickTime. Uh, QuickTime, I think, will will actually just take over one monitor and leave the other one okay. Um, I know if you go into something like Front Row or iTunes, then actually it will black out both displays, which is kind of a pain. Okay, QuickTime <laughs> will only black out one of the screens. Yeah. And the other one stays, you know, real bright, which is kind of a bummer yeah. because obviously if I'm watching something full screen on one monitor, you know, I don't want the desktop to be seen in the other monitor yeah. to, to, you know, well, it's a lot some, brighter. Sometimes, sometimes you might want to because if you want a video running in the background while you're doing something else, then actually you might, you might want that. If you want to get rid of uh, – if you want to have both monitors black and just the video on one screen, then the, the way to do it is to go to front row because front row will do that. It's also kind of a bummer that I can't span the video uh, in full screen mode. I can drag literally the the video window across both monitors and it will play just fine, although it will look kind of weird. But I can't make it so it goes full screen, blacks out everything, and and it just automatically spans the video across the monitors. But I guess that's probably because you you could have so many different resolutions and sizes to the other monitor. That's right, yeah. You have to have... The only way that was something like that would work would be if you had like matched monitors. Exactly. That's right. Well, and and I think that that's that's one other point. The one the one other downside I found of doing this, depending on the quality of the second monitor, is you can get a you, you can get a situation where they don't look right together because the color balance is wrong. I've had that before. Um, uh, with my old G five I had the twenty three inch cinema display in front of me, but I had some Samsung 17-inch monitor side cart, and it was yellow. No matter what yeah. I did to adjust it, it was it just had this yellow tint to it. And, and that can that's yeah. Depending on how um, how you know how you feel about that sort of thing, that can kind of drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I got used what, to it, but it, you know, it, to me, it was very evident. Yeah, you can uh, the, the the way to deal with it. You can, I mean, there are some advanced kind of color profile settings in the display driver that you can try and and, and get them to look the same. But the, the, the real way to do it is to buy like a um, like a, a sixty dollar color emitter. Yes, uh, and um, and and effectively, you know, color calibrate both monitors so they look the same. Now, um, I will but, say for the average person out there, if you have a twenty or twenty four inch iMac. You probably don't need a second screen. Um, that's a lot of screen real estate. In fact, I've been hearing a lot of people lately that have a 30-inch Apple Cinema display that says that it's almost too big. Uh, they yeah. literally have to move their head to see from one side of the screen to the other, depending on how close you sit to your monitor. So if but, you have a 24-inch but- screen, you probably don't need a side cart. <laughs> 
Yeah, but if you if you even if you have even if you have a big screen, you think it's big enough. One of the big big kind of uh, movements in the in the PC market now are these very small uh, kind of eight hundred by four eighty monitors that are, are fairly cheap. They're about hundred dollars. They use that USB display link connection you talked about before, um, and people are basically you know using those and just putting one application on there, like Twitter or email or something like that. And so obviously that's a very small sidecar monitor that you can just dedicate to one particular the function so even if you've got a, a you know a 24 inch screen you don't think you really need it you might want to just have a look at whether you, whether you could make use of something like that just to have uh, you know some status of that sort of thing in the background before we wrap up this segment i want to thank our sponsor otherworld computing uh they've been a sponsor of the show now for a year and they're going to be for another year we really appreciate that in fact next week guys we're going to actually do an interview uh with a guy named grant we, uh, I think you both have met Grant at the Macworld Expo. I know for a fact Guy has. He was the guy with absolutely no hair at the uh, newer tech booth. Oh, okay, right. Really yeah. great sense yeah, of humor. You remember him yeah. too? Yeah. Uh, really great sense of humor. Uh, fun guy to talk to. We're going to have him on the show next week on the first segment, so I'm looking forward to talking to him next week. Uh, but this week, of course, we want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast. I want to mention that I do have um, the hard drive for from OWC, and specifically, it comes from uh, Grant and the uh, newer technology group. It works great. It's a one terabyte drive. I put all my media on there. I also have a secondary one terabyte drive that I use to simply back up the first one. Right. Now, the reason I do that is because... While it's great to have all my media on this one huge hard drive, if that one huge hard drive goes bye-bye, everything that's on there goes bye-bye. That's a bad thing, guys. Yes. (laughs) And I don't want Time Machine to be backing up that one terabyte drive. Number one, there's there's no Macintosh out there that will back up a one terabyte drive that you could back up two out of the box. You can't do that. Uh, Although if you had a MacBook Pro, you could do it. You know, you just load it up with hard drives. But that's not the average person. A Mac Pro, sorry. Yeah. Um, The average person isn't going to be able to do that. And at this point, hard drives are cheap enough in price. Under a hundred bucks for a terabyte. Well, that's without even 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 external ones. Even external, and well, not too many are under a hundred bucks at this point. They're usually around one twenty nine or up. But even at that price, I mean, it's well worth it. If you don't want to lose your data, all the movies that I have in my iTunes and all the television shows that I have. They're all on this external drive, and I option copy them into, I hold down the option key, drag them into iTunes. That way it doesn't copy the file, it just points to it where it's at on that external hard drive. But if I lose that external hard drive, I'm screwed. So how do I back up from one drive to the other? Now, I could drag and drop, but that takes forever. It's really not that intuitive. Um, It can miss invisible files, that sort of thing. I use Carbon Copy Cloner. And it just right. does the job. I select yep. one drive, I select the other for the backup, hit copy, and it's yep. done. The next time I run it, it only copies whatever is changed. So if I added a couple files, it will only copy those couple files. It absolutely works. That's actually what I use on our server for MyMac.com. Uh, MyMac.com backs up twice a day thanks to Carbon Copy Cloner, but it only records the changes. It doesn't back every single thing up if it's already backed it up. So... Uh, definitely check out Otherworld Computing, MacSales.com. Pick yourself up an external hard drive. Better yet, pick up two so one is backing up the other because 
I don't care how big the hard drive is. If you lose that data, it's gone forever. Make sure you make a backup. So that's my rant on backup, guys. We're going to uh, come back in a few minutes. We're going to talk about the rumors about the tablet Mac. Everybody seems to want one, but I don't know. I'll get you guys' opinion in a second. And we're back for the third and final segment for show number 236. Just a reminder, next week we're going to have uh, Grant on. He's the marketing manager for OWC and Newer Technology. Should be a, a really fun interview. But right now we want to talk about the Mac tablet. Guys, this has been a rumor that's been going around the blogosphere, the Mac websites, you name it, for a few years now. What is, I don't know, the, the infatuation with a Mac tablet? I don't see it. I don't think it's a, a big deal to my to myself it's nothing that i really want to get but what do you think david well it's interesting to me because i i use a a pc tablet at work at the moment and uh i've used them before as well and you know the the tablet is is something that um you know it's never really even in the pc sphere it's never really taken off and you know it's been touted by plenty of people as like the next big thing in computing um, and yet, um, you know, it's never really gone anywhere. And despite that, you know, there's still this constant uh, call in the Mac community to see whether Apple would do a tablet. I, I, I suppose originally it's just driven by people who, who miss the Newton um, because the Newton effectively was kind of like a small tablet machine. Uh, and uh, I, I guess they hope that, that Steve will have a change of heart because, of course, when he came back, he killed the Newton line. Uh, we'll have a change of heart and bring, a, bring out a product that, uh, you know, that kind of sort of rekindles the idea of the Newton as was. I, I kind of think that if they come out with anything, it's probably going to run more on the iPhone platform at this point than the Mac OS, don't you think, Guy? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the Mac OS on... On a screen, like, say, less than, than 12 inches, and I know there's a lot of people out there that have, have con- you know, including David, who has converted some of the netbooks over. But a, a 7- to 8-inch screen trying to run all the stuff that goes on with, with uh, OS X, I, I just can't picture that as, as being a whole lot of fun. Um, but on the other hand, the iPhone interface on a 7- to, say, 10-inch screen I think would work really, really well and would open up the platform to certain applications that the the regular three-and-a-half-inch screen just doesn't suit very well. Do you think, David, that what we really need is just a larger iPhone? Well, that would be a... The, that would be an interesting product. So, I mean, I agree with you, Gaia. I think if you were to if you were to pen enable OS X, um, you know, as it stands on on the laptops, and try and put that into a into a, a size thing. I know that Axiotron does the modbook thing um, that uh, that you know kind of does that, um, and there's a bit of handwriting recognition built in and what have you. But I, I don't think that's that's really a particularly natural way of of interfacing with the computer. The iPhone interface obviously was designed from the ground up to be um, accessed with your finger. Yep. So um, you know that makes a lot more sense, and I think a, you know a larger screen iPhone type device would be pretty good. But 
the, the difficulty, if they were just to scale the iPhone up, there would still be some deficiencies because, you know, on a larger screen, you would want to be able to write and take notes on it. And obviously, you can't really do that with your finger. And I think we all accept that, uh, you know, great as the, as the multi-touch technology on the iPhone is, that keyboard is, uh, you know, it's a bit of an acquired taste and it's not always the best way of interacting with a device. So I'm not sure whether just having an on-screen keyboard would be good enough. But then a tablet um, Mac is going to have the same problem, uh, unless you're unless, really good with handwriting. I mean, unless, yeah, well, yeah, unless the handwriting recognition is is up to is up to uh, is up to scratch, and it has a stylus. Now, the the big question mark over that is is you know the part of the rumor is that Steve doesn't like styluses. Um, you know, he thinks the finger is much more of a of a better way to go for interfacing with the touchscreen. I got I got to um, be honest, David. I don't like styluses. I, I yeah, think but, they're you lose them all the time, and they're just burdensome. And then you're you're constantly pulling it out, putting it back. For instance, the Nintendo DS. Yeah, uh, I. I I do play the Nintendo DS sometimes, but if it's a game that's really relying on the on the stylus on it, I'm kind of turned off. I mean, for instance, a game that I've been playing recently on it is uh, GTA Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars. And it, it's not sensitive enough, at least for me, for me to use my finger. So right in the middle of the action, I'm pushing buttons. i got to stop, and i got to pull the stylus out, I got and then i got to put it back. I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do it on a computer either. Right, but the problem is you can't really write with your finger. Right, so I so think the, the, we're, the heart of the argument is then, does anybody really want handwriting recognition in a portable device that's called a Mac, or do they want a physical keyboard that they could put in, but then it's not really a tablet Mac? Yeah, it's, well, who knows? I mean, Apple has a, re- Apple has a strong reputation for solving these sorts of problems by thinking of a different way to do these things, so... I would hope if they ever came up with some sort of device like this, they would have some third way of interfacing with it that is not Rapid tablet. eye blinks. Well, well you who, know, kno- one, who knows? One thing that uh, that a lot of people talk about with that the iPhone is supposedly missing is a physical keyboard. Now, with the dock connector, I don't know if anyone's come out with one yet. I mean, there's, there's no reason why you couldn't have a keyboard that connects up to the dock connector, or even if it was a, a bigger iPhone, say a seven to eight inch screen that that scales exactly like you know the the three and a half inch screen on on the iPhone, where you couldn't have a, a, a pull out keyboard that would also kind of work as a stand, so that it's it's holding it at a yeah. certain angle for you to work. That's but, right. You know, with all that though, just get a MacBook. Well, Honestly. yeah, but a lot of people don't necessarily want a MacBook, and you know the the MacBook. Yeah, but what's the niche you're, you're market? About, I mean, we're talking, talking about a very about small a, market. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I, people, I think so. people said people thought the same thing about the iPhone when it first came out. Well, no, that, not when they saw that, it, they didn't. Well, yeah, but that it was it, you know, before they had the big announcement uh, was two, three years ago. Um, when the rumors started going out that Apple was, was going to come out with a cell phone, you know, people were like, "Oh my God, why would Apple even bother with this market? It's, it's, you know, it, it's so locked in with all these other companies." And Apple came out with something that was brilliant. Yeah, but well, the, there's absolutely Mac. no reason why Apple couldn't come out. Not so much. I'm not talking about really a, a tablet Mac where it's it's you're running OS X and you're going to do Photoshop and you know you're going to do blah 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 blah. I'm just talking about a. a uh, something that scales exactly like the iPhone as far as the screen size goes so that it, it wouldn't require the, the people who've developed apps so far to have to do a lot of rewriting to accommodate this new device. 
but where it's it's a seven to nine inch screen that's scaled exactly the same as the iPhone, and you can do other stuff with it. And obviously, if it's a bigger device, you can have more memory, you can have a, a better processor, you can do all kinds of things with a, a larger device that you can't do with the iPhone, but yet still use the iPhone OS. Um, yeah. Well, it's um, interesting, and, and I think that, uh, you know, as time goes on, we're going to find out what's happening, but I don't think we're going to resolve anything on this show, and, and we yes, really we do need to wrap it up. Um, so, for David, for Guy, we're going to wrap this show up. I uh, thank you for downloading the podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast. 